but I've always kind of wondered what would happen if you just like burned somebody in a wave pool, just like went fully rogue. <laughs> like would the guy, would the, the like staff there ask you to get out? Like what if you just showed up and kept burning people? I, I, did, can, they, can they tell you to leave? Like is that enough grounds to be like, yo, you gotta get out of the pool? Hello there, podcast people. Welcome to The Drop. I am your interim host, Michael Saramella. Um, I was actually meant to be replacing Danny this week already because he was going on a trip down to South Australia for a project that we're working on. But unfortunately, while he was away, um, a really, really severe flood hit Australia, as I'm sure a lot of you know. And Danny actually had his house and his car um, really badly impacted. So he, he came home early. He's basically dealing with the aftermath right now. I know a lot of the guys in our Australian office were over at his house helping him kind of like pick it apart and try to salvage whatever they can. It's a really sad situation. It's one that a lot, a lot, a lot of people are going through right now. Um, Buck and I are going to talk a lot more about that in this podcast as it is probably the biggest news piece of the week. First of all, just wanted to give our shout out to Danny. I hope he and his family are doing well. And... Yeah, there's there's also a lot of other news and hot things happening in surfing this week, so we're going to get into all of them, including the Portugal event, which we covered in detail in the last episode of the Stab Cusp. Uh, there's a new Stab in the Dark episode coming out with Jack Robinson, where the finalists are named, and a few other really hot topics this week in surfing. So let's go on. We're going to cover all of them, and welcome to the drop. All right, Mikey, the podcast king now. I know, two in one week? Who knew? You could do that. I didn't even wow. think that was legal. Do you consider yourself a podcaster? Do I do you identify as one? <laughs> uh, no, I will be a podcaster when I get one of those mics that like hangs on a stand and like sits right in front of your mouth. I think that's Ooh. when you know you've made it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. One day we can get there, I think. Maybe like another year we'll have stands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for now we're just on the uh, the little float, not floating Zoom mic, the stationary Zoom. So, um, yeah, if you didn't catch it, we, we split up the cusp and the drop this week. So the cusp went a few days ago to go just before the Portugal event started, which now, of course, the event is on. And the drop is going to be focused on the news of the week and a few interesting little stab premium things that have been going on lately. That is true. That is true. Good job getting that cusp out with Jimmy Kane. That was fun. Yeah, Jimmy hates the mid-year cut. The mid-year cut is complete bullshit. Like, we've tried this before. It's ridiculous. Oh, he does not like it. <laughs> he's, he's an opinionated man. <laughs> he is, yeah. So, so we broke down kind of our picks for that event, what wild cards we thought might do well, um, why Moana Jones did not get a wild card, which is, uh, it, it was a burning topic on a lot of people's tongues especially on instagram this week we Ooh. saw a lot of people getting up in arms about it but it turns out that um the answer is a little bit simpler than the the conspiracy theorists are making it seem it's so annoying when that happens just in surfing and in life in general when the answer is just kind of boring and you had all these crazy conspiracies <laughs> going it's just it's a letdown really <laughs> it really is so um yeah anyway what do we got this week anyway this week let's get into it all right, top story. Riding shotgun with a world champ during Australia's flood catastrophe. Uh, I think you may have touched on this one in the intro, but it's... The title's true. There's a flood catastrophe in Australia right now, and uh, 
Danny has been affected, which is a bummer. But basically what this story is about is all the people in surfing that kind of stepped up to help out and help save people, really. Um, Jed Smith wrote this one. The kind of main character here is Joel Parkinson. He interviewed Parko for it, who had gone on a ski and just helped save people all day. But it wasn't just Parko. Mick Fanning was out there. Mikey Wright was out there. B. Durbridge, Brian Hipwood, Nathan Hedge, Mark Matthews, and Luke Munro, all just ski warriors saving people's lives in Australia in a really tough time. So it's an interesting, interesting story. Sad, but interesting. Yeah. Also want to give a shout out to Stace Galbraith. That was part of the reason that he wasn't on the cusp this week is because he was out helping as well with his buddy uh, Mitch Cruz. They, they bought a ski together a couple of years back and they've been using it for some, some amoral purposes for the majority of that stint, but now they're using it for very altruistic purposes. So I, yeah, I want to give my tip of the cap to them as well. Hats are tip. They were wearing some nice stab hats actually during it so they could tip their stab caps to it. <laughs> But I was thinking about that too. It's like, it's a weird kind of irony that it happened there. You know, it happened so close to the Gold Coast, which is probably where people get the angriest at skis, at least of anywhere in the world that I know. Um, that stretch seems to be the most, the the hottest source of kind of anger and debate about whether or not you should be doing step-offs when you could paddle. Um Kind of a good PR move for skis, for the ski crew. <laughs> it went really well. Yeah, this is uh, basically them being able to justify all the terrible things they've done in the past decade or so. But I, I was wondering, like, do you think there was anybody that was, like, you know, in a really bad position? Maybe they were, like, on the roof of their house or something, and they see this, like, white knight come around the corner on his jet ski, and they're like, oh, yes, I'm going to be saved. And then he gets closer and closer and they realize it's Darren Handley. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not so getting funny. on that ski. <laughs> <laughs> Just go back into your flooding house. <laughs> that clip, um, if that joke didn't make sense to you, there is a clip of Darren Handley and a ski incident at, at uh, Kira, I think it was, somewhere on the Gold Coast, I believe it was Kira which is just, it deserves to be one of those things that sticks into your brain forever. That you just, once you see, you're not allowed to ever forget it for the rest of your it's life. It's an NFT. It's an NFT, yeah. And you could buy it right now for $500, <laughs> transfer it to me, and you own it forever. <laughs> Another part of the story that Jed wrote, though, is that Noah Dean is stuck. So the story kind of breaks down. There's two sides of it, right? There's the side of Parco and everybody stepping out to stepping up to help out and then there's a side of it where no dean's just stuck i think he was running out of food I'm, I'm sure you know he's got some good friends a lot of them have jet skis as you can see that'll look after him but i mean this is this flood it's just kind of crazy where it happened like that is really the the seems to me like the heart of the australian surf scene you know it's where most pros are based out of it's where stab is based out of it's kind of where the whole industry is so many shapers and everything it's it's crazy that um, it seems like a lot of people in the surf world are, are dealing with this, which sucks. I don't know if it's, I don't know if you experienced this as well, but like when I first started seeing photos and hearing about it, it's like, oh, it's a flood. Like, you know, like floods happen. It's not that big of a deal. But then 
you start to like you read more especially reading jed's article for me really opened my eyes to how insanely gnarly this was like Joel Parkinson said that he was driving his jet ski over power lines and not like downed power lines, like power lines that were still attached to the poles. Like this level of water is so unprecedented. There's absolutely nothing on record in this part of the world that has ever happened anywhere close to this. Like entire houses are underwater. Cars are lost. Joel Parkinson, while he was out saving people, had his house ransacked and a car stolen, which is a really shitty side of disaster sort of situations. But Anyway, just the flood itself is so unprecedented. It's hard being on the opposite side of the world to like even really comprehend what the people over there are going through. So as much as we just made a joke about the DHD thing, like in a very, very serious sense, like this is really sad. And we just, I don't know, I, I just hope that everybody's doing okay. And I hope that it will not be, I mean, it's just, it's, it's fucked. There's no, there's no way around it, right? Because I know in Danny's situation, he lives in, you know, a river valley, and as a result, you can't buy flood insurance there. Like it's just not even an option. So presumably, all these people who lost their houses, like they don't get anything back from that. And I can't even imagine what that would feel like. I know that's insane. And that line that you called out about the power lines, that was like, that was the thing that really made me go holy shit like stop and think like how just trying to paint a picture of that in your head you're like how is that possible you know because we even like i think stab even wrote a story ethan wrote a story about it happening and just something about like biblical floods or something maybe that was a quote somewhere and i don't think i even read it i was just like oh, okay there's floods kind of like you said then this one like yeah stopped me in my tracks and was like holy shit this is so gnarly and that was before i knew that like you know, Danny was affected and all this stuff was happening, but it's, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. And it seems like, I mean, I heard it just rained again yesterday, so I don't know exactly if it's like, it doesn't even seem like it's over really. Um, I imagine the fallout of this is going to be really, really hard economically. And also just like structurally, like people having to physically rebuild, you know, their homes. Like there's going to be a lot of displaced people, um, obviously, we have another situation that's going on in the world right now, too, that's displacing a lot of people. And, yeah, it's it's just a tough time. It is. It's a bummer. So, bummer. Sorry, Danny. Sorry everybody dealing with that. But um, we're, we're hoping for the best for you. And we'll drop some links in the bio of this podcast where you can donate and help out the people of Australia who really, really need it at this time. Should you play with monsters? This is the title of a story about the recent swell at Nazare. And fuck, I just, I have no idea. What do you do with these Nazare swells? Like, like they all kind of look the same, but then Mason Barnes got this one wave of this swell that like, to me looks taller than any other wave. But like, what do we do? Do we, like, I feel like we're almost past the... Like, for years, I feel like this would happen, and it'd be like, biggest ever, biggest ever, biggest ever, biggest ever. And now it's just like, you kind of just let it happen and just wait until, like, somebody at Guinness tells you it's, like, 97 feet. It's like, what do you do with this? I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I I have this funny kind of back and forth with Nick Von Rupp because he sends me 15 videos from Nazare every year and I'm like Nick we're not going to post all these I'm sorry (laughs) like it's just not that cool um and 
he sent me this one and he's like, look, if you're going to basically post one, post this one. Like this is as big as it gets. So <laughs> I right. took, took Nick's word for it. <laughs> so that's our, I mean, that's really all we have until somebody at Guinness tells us how big they think it is. It's just, we'll just wait. <laughs> you're going to post the one. It's this one. So I guess it is the biggest of the season. Um, I don't think it helped with that. The whole, how it worked with the WSL this year, like running those two contests in days that were smaller than this last one that just looked so the same, like 40 days apart or something. I don't feel like that, that definitely made it worse, like made it worse (laughs) in terms of like, everybody is thinking like Nazareth is the same every time. Um, But that said, Nick, that video is gnarly. Like it's, it's come a long way from people just going straight now, just with the way that people are trying to surf that wave all strapped in, uh, it's, it's crazy. And then that Mason Barnes wave is insane too. Like I said, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. Like literally I, I, I wrote about it in my last little email thing that I write to premium subscribers every week, but I just don't feel comfortable trying to guess the size of a wave. Like, I surfed that day in France and it was big and I don't, I don't know how big it was. It just like looks like a big wave. How are you supposed to say like how tall a wave is? It's just, I suck at that. And I'm awful at temperatures too. So I'd be like, what's the water temp? I'm like, I don't know, wear booties, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, uh, here's the good news, at least for our listeners, um, is that now that you are moving to Portugal, you no longer have any sort of excuse. Like, you know, you've talked a lot of shit about Nazare, and now you're going to be in a position that I'm going to tell Nick that he has to bring you to Nazare, and you're going to have to get towed in to at least one sizable wave at Nazare, and then you can come back and report to us whether it is scary or not. I'm keen. I'm sure it'll be terrifying, but i would be fun, I think. I mean, I'm going to be going up there a lot when it's just, like, small and fun because it's such a sick wave, but I'd be down to whip in. Let him know. Yeah, we'll let Nick know. We'll get we'll get him on the line next time. Get him on the line. Come pick me up. It's it's on the way. I think I'm I'm in between where he lives and there, so you can just kind of grab me on the way and we'll go. So anyway, Nazare obviously huge, scary, whatever. But after that, it looks like Super Tubos was basically pumping for the entire week leading up to the event. Like just Instagram ran amok with perfect overhead tubes, people getting spit out left and right. I don't think it was the week leading up. I think it was about the eight weeks leading up. <laughs> oh shit, was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just been a crazy, crazy winter. Um, and now today is appalling. It is. <laughs> it's such hey. a bummer. It's, the forecast looks tough, too. I mean, it looks like maybe Sunday. It looks like maybe they'll have windows like, oh, I don't even know. Tomorrow looks hard. It's just like with that side offshore wind, it's going to be hard. I don't know. But today, I mean, it's on as we speak, and... Like you said, it's it kind of sucks to see it going from like years on Instagram, seeing people get like tens, and then you watch uh, something that looks like a step backwards from a QS in two thousand three, <laughs> and it's uh, not good timing. What can you do? I guess. Yeah, but hey, at least they let the women go first, right? Progress. Progress, right? That's right. That's that's what they did today. That's what's on right now. Venture capitalists, developers, networking events. Increasingly, wave pools are where big business happens. What? What's happening? What's, this, this story, okay, so it all started with a question that was posed on Twitter by some venture capitalist fella 
that just said, what founders are also surfers? Um, and I feel like it's been talked about for so long, like this idea that like all these new kind of tech industry people are like coming to surfing, especially after the pandemic. And this doesn't really talk about that. It doesn't talk about like lineups are more crowded or anything. It just talks about like this kind of changing culture and the way that uh, people of that nature interpret surfing and interact with it. It's really interesting, but I just, I get hung up on this shit sometimes because in my head, it's like, yeah, this is changing. Like, I get I live in a place where I don't really have to see much of it. Like maybe, maybe it's a thing. I'm sure if you lived in San Francisco or something or even like Sydney and these other places, I'm sure you really notice this, but I just don't notice this. I've never seen this at all. And so I just get confused when you talk about all these like new kind of tech bros coming to surfing. Like I just haven't seen it. Yeah, well, I think that this is probably the greatest validation of Derek Hines' claim. Uh, Ethan Davis wrote a story where he interviewed Derek Hine, I think it was on the site last week, about how leashes essentially ruined surfing because they just made it such a safe space. And the fact that you have all these, I mean, they are, they're kind of like tech dorks coming in to surfing just shows how much it's been kind of like commodified, whitewashed, and made essentially way too safe. Like all these wave pools and stuff, you know, there's no sharks, there's no, I guess there is, there's not a reef, but there, there is a bottom that's kind of hard, but it's like still, it's, you know, it's a perfect wave. There's not really much consequence. And what it's allowed to happen is for people who probably have no business spending time in like real raw ocean now the ability to go out and consider themselves like a legit surfer because they can go down the line and maybe even squat in a barrel. And it's because, you know, of course, as surfers, those are the things that we chase. Like we, you know, the barrel is the holy grail, but it takes so long training in an ocean to get enough opportunities and enough practice and enough skill building up over the years to be able to actually do it. But with everything that's developed now, you, you don't need that anymore. All you need is a credit card, basically. And these guys have access to not just credit cards, but the credit card companies and <laughs> the, the blockchain and <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever else is out there. <laughs> they got it all. Yeah, and I, I feel like when it seems like you just, almost like Nazare, you're just like desensitized to Sir French stuff. But there was a while where it still felt kind of novel and everything you'd kind of see come out of there, you'd want to watch because you just want to see it. And I feel like when it was still in that like point where it just had so much mystique and you just wanted to see it all, the WSL just brings in people like, like you know, Tom Brady or somebody there. And I feel like there was nothing more offensive as a surfer than seeing somebody like that. Even, okay, yeah, Tom Brady's great, but still like seeing somebody that's just like obviously in a great position in life just with the most terrible barrel stance ever, just like waiting for about 10 minutes for it to even come close to getting over them and just like hunching over like this. It was just like the most violent, jarring fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And I feel like there was an era where we just got that fed down our throats a bit and um, I can still taste it. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from it. So this young kid, Jack Truesdale, he's from Maui. He wrote this piece, and he actually interviewed a lot of people for it. He talked to Shane Magnuson. He talked to Kai Barger. He talked to some people at Kelly Slater Surf Ranch. And, um, yeah, he, he found out some really interesting details on all this stuff. But it all stemmed, like you said, from this one founder basically trying to get people to go to Kelly Slater Surf Ranch with him. And the whole article is 
based around this premise that surfing has become the new golf. It's the new meetup place for all these rich individuals to do their hobnobbing and little backroom business deals, which I, I don't love it. But at the same time, if there's one benefit that could come from it, I guess it's that these wave parks will maybe become more prolific, which then will drive down the price and allow the everyday users like you and I more access to them. Yeah, yeah. And another interesting component of this story, I think, is that it all started with that that one question, and it was a Twitter thread. And I feel like Twitter just never worked in surfing. Like, I don't, I've never had one. I don't really think I know anybody who, like, uses it or, like, talks about it. Like, it just didn't, I understand it's, like, a big part of the rest of the world, but... To me, it's hilarious because it seems like one of those things like a lot of people think Instagram's the world. Like it's they're so obsessed with it, and it just has so much control. Well, not really control, but just so much influence on um, how they view the world, view themselves, and all these things. And I feel like Twitter's that same thing, but surfing just fully dodged it somehow. And so, yeah, these people are probably like proud of their followings and think that they're so cool and this and that. And it's just like <laughs> it's Twitter. I don't give a fuck. Like what? <laughs> like. I think it's just kind of funny that it all came from there, you know? And then another thing I wanted to say is that you brought up that point about, like, leashes and just, like, removing all the the things that make it difficult. And like you said, Jack talked to a lot of people for this, and he, one of the people he spoke with was Matt Warshaw in a quote that I loved, which was, out of all the things I hate, it's the idea that you've taken away all the chess play. All the underhanded shit we all do to each other was part of the fun. And so... Beyond sharks and leashes, I couldn't agree with that more. Like, it can be so frustrating, obviously, but at the same time, like, we all play these stupid little games, and we're all trying to get one up on the other person. Like, we're, we're all paddling out with the strategy to kind of fuck the other person over a little bit, just subtly, and uh, that's part of it. it I, I agree. It's part of the fun. Yeah, it is, especially when, you know... Like it's a it's a game that you can get increasingly better at because as you get better at it, you get more reps, you get better at surfing, you gain more of presence in the lineup, you become known to the other people around there, and your ability to do these things increases. So it's like you actually are like building up toward greater wave catching ability, greater hopefully wave riding ability, and it all feels like you're ascending. Whereas this egalitarian thing where you just pay your money and you get your waves, yeah, it's not fun at all. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered, and then I before I went to a wave pool, because I went to that one in Switzerland for the first time, and that was different. It was, like, for a contest, and it was, you know, the free surf that I had there was, like, with a lot of people in the contest, and it was, it was different. But I've always kind of wondered what would happen if you just, like, burned somebody in a wave pool, just, like, went fully rogue. <laughs> like, with the guy, with the, the, like, staff there ask you to get out? Like, what if you just showed up and kept burning people? I... <laughs> I, did, can they can they tell you to leave? Like, is that enough grounds to be like, yo, you got to get out of the pool? Yeah, well, this actually, interestingly enough, so we had our, like, uh, media day at the Kelly Slater Surf Ranch back in, like, I don't know, it was, like, 2018 or something like that a while ago. And I distinctly remember somebody burning another surfer and literally telling him, oh, sorry, I didn't think you were going to make it. Wow. <laughs> like, can we name names? I... That's the problem, is I don't fully remember who it was that burned whom. And, and truly not even trying to protect anyone. I would totally say it if I, like, remembered well enough. But I don't remember well enough to say, like, I think it was this person and throw them under the bus. So I can't, unfortunately. But I just remember thinking, like, you thought he wasn't going to make the most, like, 
perfectly <laughs> mechanically engineered wave that's ever been made. Um, and yeah, it was it was definitely a bit of a moment. And I'm sure whoever got burned still holds a grudge to this day. Let's just say it was Eric Logan who did the burn. Let's <laughs> I don't just think say, Eric Logan existed. Well, let's just say it was him. Nobody knows that. I can't fact check it. If you don't remember it, nobody else does. Eric Logan burned a disabled child at the surf ranch. <laughs> Perfect. Stab in the Dark with Jack Robinson, episode three, is live now. It just went live. Not too long before this podcast was released. And it is getting to be crunch time over there. We are, in this episode, we decide the last of the four finalists for this year's grand finale coming up in Ep 4. Mm, with some, uh, with a little twist at the end, even. it get, You really didn't know until the last second. You have Jack standing there on the beach, two boards in his arms, and one hits the sand. And one remains and ascends into the final. I love the ending of this. Like, uh, the fact that, like, all right, so what? The other Stab in the Darks were WA twice, Japan, South Africa, Indo, all places where, you know, you could go and shoot and nobody's seeing anything until you want to release it, right? North Shore is the polar opposite of that. North Shore in December, like, there's just, everybody's going to see it. We've even talked about it. Like, people were, like, poaching clips and, like, you know, there's YouTube channels saying, like, Jack Robinson's Stab in the Dark session of just, like, him trying the board just on a day. And it was, yeah, we we changed it up there. And I think there's there's some results of that, like, between the kids coming up to him in the water, frothing, which probably happened a little bit in other Stab in the Darks, but I'm sure not as bad as it did here. But I think my favorite part about this episode is there's a moment where, I mean, Jack's just trying a board right in front of John Pizel's house. <laughs> He just sees him in the water. And I, I feel like that is just such a weird, funny moment um, that it it was awesome. I love that. Pizel paddled over and he knew I was trying the board. I know it's not yours, but what do you reckon? And he's like picking it up, started having a feel of it, looking at it. Not that psyched on it, I don't think. I said, oh, I didn't like it at the start. Now I'm starting to get a few waves. And he goes, oh. Oh. Yeah, that was my favorite. It was just kind of awkward and just, that was a funny moment. Like I said, I think it just had everything to do with the fact that we were in the most visible place in surfing doing it this year, and not to mention in front of one of the contenders' houses. Um, Another thing I want to talk about here is just how funny it is, the fact that you and I just know who won. Yeah, well, we can say, a sneak preview on the podcast that the winner will be from Europe or Australia or the United States of America. Yep. Or maybe Asia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Ep3 is out. Ep4 will premiere next week. I think it's going to premiere a little bit later, maybe at 7 or 8 p.m. because we're actually going to be doing a live premiere in Encinitas at La Paloma Theater. So keep an eye out in your inboxes this week for an email to STAB Premium members. They will have first access to the tickets. And then after that, the general public will be able to get some as well. But yeah, we're going to be doing the, the finale, premiered live Encinitas next Thursday, 7 or 8 p.m. Go check it out. And uh, like I said, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, Surf Tech won this year. All right. Joyride, the Hayden Shapes Raven. 
It's pretty cool. You got to try uh, Dion Aegis's power surfing board. Um, you gonna go for Taylor Knox's airboard next, or what's your deal? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, yeah, no, it's true. Um, Dion Aegis, obviously been known as an air guy for his whatever 15 20 years as a professional surfer you remember him from all the kai neville films the globe films etc but as he's reaching a, a more mature status in life he's learning to appreciate you know the finer things the simpler things and so he's going full 90s core lord on rail and he made this board to sort of match that style um so it's you know, it's it's got a little bit more rocker maybe than his normal boards. It's got, like, pretty refined rails. And one interesting thing is that I thought this might have just been in mine, but in talking to other people who have tried the board, it sounds like it's a little made a little bit heavier than some of the other Hayden Shapes boards, which I think is presumably to keep the board on the face of the wave, on rail, and driving through the water. Um, I got to test this board in Mexico and Costa Rica, and basically found that it really, really loves a, you know, a curvy pocket. It loves to drive through the water and uh, just a really, really fun surfboard. And I think you have, did you not ride one of these in Hawaii? I think I did. I don't know what model it was. I borrowed one from a friend. Uh, it might have been the Raven. I was trying to figure that out today, actually. Did it have the little swallowtail? Yeah, it had a little swallow back there. I think it was the Raven. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I was, I was thinking about that today, actually, and I liked it. It took me a little while to get used to it, um, but I hate swallowtails. I think they are a stain of uh, otherwise a, a beautiful thing, which is humanity. Um, I hate them, truly. So Why? Took, what do they do? I feel like they have a weird, like I would always feel like I didn't like um, how they released when you were trying to you know, do an air, like get your fins around or something. And then you just see people like Gabriel and Felipe, who seem to really like them, doing the most massive airs and finners ever. And so I think now I even hate them more because they stole that excuse from me. And so we really <laughs> just don't see eye to eye. All right. Fair enough. Speaking of eye to eye, I also tested out the new Jordy fins in this edit. And, nice. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> that was a bit of an ode to you. <laughs> Those are a great fan. I mean, I had a really close look at them, uh, <laughs> and they look really good to me. <laughs> um, and then another thing I want to call out is, which, with each of these reviews that you do, and everybody, you know, said comment, Mikey's got the best job in the world, Mikey, there's so many boards, which is true, you get a lot of boards, and it's a sweet job, and try them all, but... I just always like to remind people that every time you do one of these, you've arranged it so that you give one away too. And I know the demand is always high that you know you get a few hundred emails each time. Then you have to sort through and figure out who's going to win. But I still I got to call that out every time because that's one of the coolest parts about these things to me. And didn't you have a funny story about the last board that you gave away? Oh, I did. That's right. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so every time that we do one of the joyrides and we give a board away, one of the we ask them to fill out this brief little prompt, you know, how, who are you? How old are you? Where are you from? blah blah blah. And then we usually ask them a question that is specific to that joyride. So the joyride before this one I did with Surfboard Broker, which is essentially like a second-hand reselling sort of surfboard business. And so I asked people in the little board giveaway prompt, 
what is the best secondhand board story that you have or something along those lines. And we got an incredible email from this woman named Ashley. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's U-Y. So Ashley Oi. Oi. You. Oi. Ashley. <laughs> you. <laughs> the only um, time I've ever made that noise in my life. <laughs> um, I, should I just read it? Get into it. Okay. So here's Ashley's story. I found a barely used CI Neckbeard 2 on Craigslist for $400. In my dimensions. No pressure dents, not even a tail pad on it. The seller was up in Huntington Beach, a couple hours north of me. Probably too good to be true, and such a good deal, I thought for sure I was going to get surfboard catfished. Well, surfboard needs override safety and logic, so I drove up there with my pocket knife wedged into my skinny jeans, thinking I am at least 10% safer meeting this stranger. The guy met me on the street and said the board was up in his apartment. Solo women's intuition alarmed, you will be kidnapped. But I dismissed the alarm because I had the knowledge that I watched a YouTube video once using a pocket knife as a protection tool. Long story short, board was pristine, I handed him my slightly warm cash, which was also wedged in my skinny jeans, and I drove home safe, alive, and happy as can be. Almost three years later, board still works great. Worth it. And I just think we need more people in the world that are willing to risk their lives for a secondhand surfboard. Yeah, okay, just to get the one, obviously I have to acknowledge, like, that, that's, that hit me, because, you know, I, I love secondhand boards, and... It sucks to hear that, like, that thought even has to cross somebody's mind. That's just something that, like, as a guy, the thing that I'm... What's the worst that's going to happen to me? Some guy's going to offer me a bong rip and try to put on some, like, shitty reggae band from Florida? Like, that's seriously my <laughs> biggest fear for going into one of these situations. And it sucks to hear that she has to deal with that. But to think about that and decide she's just going to risk it all for this thing, like, wow. She, she deserved that board that you... You sent her way. It's incredible. Yes. She she got the board, one, because, again, like I said, like that level of dedication requires some sort of compensation. And also because I never want her to have to go through something like that again. So she's going to be getting a fresh board from Surfboard Broker slash Ghost Shapes, um, and she can make it whatever she wants, and I think she should be able to get it without bringing a pocket knife. I think so, too. And I did, did spark an idea of, like, what would surfboard catfishing really look like? Like how, you know, you can't really get away with like a completely different surfboard, but it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I can do. I can see how I could just maybe do some surfboard catfishing and uh, I'll report back. Well, one of the classic catfishing tactics is not to completely replace your identity, but to use a younger photo of yourself. Mm. So what you should be doing is if you ever get a fresh new board, just take some photos of it then, you know, and stash them Ooh. away in a folder. And then maybe three years down the line, after it's beaten <laughs> and battered, you post those photos. And then the person will be thinking that they're getting this fresh board. And they get there and it's got all these dents. And yeah. That is an incredible idea. I hope somebody listens to this and, and tries to just has the audacity to try to pull that one off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be taking photos of the next new board I get. I will take some great photos of it and keep them, keep them ready to go. That's incredible. All right. It is a time to get sacred, to come to the church here, and to heal up. We have a surf sin here from Joey 
who he tried to kill his friend pretty much. Let's just get straight into it. What's up, Danny? What's up, Buck? This is uh, Joey from California. Got a surf sin for you guys. I think it's a surf sin, but let me know. Anyway, a friend of mine and my buddy Jimmy were uh, aware of our good friend's first trip to Rincon, California. This friend, his name is Brent, rides only weird boards, uh, hulls, logs, edge boards, single fins, all kinds of crazy stuff. Travels in a van a lot with his lovely lady. And had his van all packed up for his first trip to Surf Rincon, had an Airbnb down there for a week. Three boards only out of his 30, and didn't have a glider even though the forecast was dismal. We're like, bro, you're going to Surf Rincon, it's gonna be one foot, you're gonna want that 11 foot glider. Oh no, man, I got, a, I got the car all packed. It's gonna take me an hour and a half, two hours to repack it. Megan will be uncomfortable the whole way there. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, convince him to bring the glider rides it at Rincon, loving it, one foot, perfect board, ends up buckling himself on the board, tears his MCL out for three months, is so bummed on the board, is now selling it. Anyway, Jimmy and I feel terrible, feel like we may have committed a sin. Hand me my penance, boys. All right, so first of all, from where I stand, it's a sin to tell your friend to ride a glider in general. So uh, one <laughs> strike there. That said, it's uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't how you wouldn't feel guilty, even though it's not really your fault. But like, I don't know how you'd get around like the guilt. I my stupid brain just goes back to um, like a a shitty Jay Z song or something. I think it's like a, a song where. There's a, a line about some his nephew dying in a car that he bought, and that's where my head went. And I'm like, oh, you know, that sucked for Jay Z. It must suck for Joey. But yeah, one of those weird things because you could not feel guilty, but then again, you couldn't really feel that responsible. What's what's your read? Yeah, similar. Um, I actually think this gets to like a bigger question in surfing. So I think it was Flynn Novak a few years back that said that he never invites his friends to surf pipeline with him because if something were to happen to them in that session, he would not want any of that weight on his shoulders. And like similarly, it's like one of those questions of, you know, when a really heavy wave comes in and your friend is in like the perfect position and you think it's a really good way if you're not just being like a dickhead trying to get them to go on a closeout and you want to give them that next level of motivation, you know what I mean, to make sure that they commit and get over the ledge. Like, but you'd feel really bad again if you called somebody into a wave and they got hurt on it. So part of me thinks that if your intentions are pure, that, you know, it's not a sin. But that being said, like in this guy's situation, regardless of whether or not it's technically a sin, he feels guilty. So mm. I, I'm going to say that what he did telling his friend to bring a board that he thought would be most conducive to those waves is not a sin. But because he's feeling guilty, he feels the need to absolve himself. I am happy to deliver a penance. Great, great. Well, I had, I started thinking about a different way after I got the Jay-Z song out of my head. Um, I wonder if it's even Jay-Z. It might be just somebody completely different. I'm just a fucking idiot. But... <laughs> Which would be funnier. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, I started thinking about it and I was like, some of the best moments in surfing come from spontaneity, right? Like if you're too planned, then 
everything just can go I don't know when you when you two plan you're just limiting the window for that like crazy thing that happens I mean that's why I think surfing is fun anyway you get this weird spontaneous thing you get lucky to be in the right spot at the right time and to really think about it like that and try to calculate okay board way what is I'm gonna target that with my penance which is at first I wanted to say two weeks but then I don't know how often Joey surfs and so I think to make it fair I'm just gonna say next five surfs he cannot look at anything at all he cannot look at a surf cam he cannot look at a surf forecast he cannot look at the tides he can't look at anything and so i don't know if he serves every day and it's only going to be five days but maybe he serves you know once a week five weeks but next five serves between now and then you cannot look at anything don't let anybody talk to you about it shelter yourself entirely from any information about what's happening in the ocean before you go and drive there and surf and um that will make you heal Okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's bringing definitely like a level of positivity into the world, I would say. And it is removing the leash, if you will. You're, yeah. you're cutting the umbilical cord. Strip it off, man. Strip it off. <laughs> okay. So mine is a little bit different. And just because I have a personal anecdote with this being that I've actually torn my MCL twice. So I have experience with this. There's different levels of MCL tears or sprains, and some of them require surgery. More often than not, though, it's just kind of rest and then rehab to get it back to at least a a functioning state. And the thing with it is that all you can really do to help an MCL injury is to basically build strength around it. That's the only thing that is going to essentially protect it in the future. So there's no there's no shortcuts around this um you know he can't do the pt for his friend so what i'm going to say is that he needs to buy his friend a special program called and this is not an ad it just is actually really good it's called knees over toes guy and it's this guy who himself had dealt with a lot of knee injuries and he developed this program that is specifically meant to strengthen the leg strengthen the knee and make sure that you don't get hurt anymore Um, and yeah, I think it costs, I don't know, like 50 bucks or something like that, but he's got to buy that for his friend. Um, you know, conventional PT is fine, but this is what will actually make your knees stronger and more supple and make sure that you never break them riding an 11 foot glider again. There you go. There we go. All right. Um, everybody go to kneesandtoads.com slash stab to redeem your 15% discount. That's kneesandtoads.com slash stab. All right, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. But at the same time, I hope that Danny is back next week. Not only is he a much better podcaster than I am, he's also a lot taller, more handsome, um, the list goes on, really. So I also have way too much going on with the stab cusp. So yeah, Danny, hope you're back next week. But also, I'm here to cover if you're not. And anyway, that's it. That's been the drop. If you have any more surf sins that you want to submit, you can send them to Danny, Buck, or myself. It's basically our name followed by at rollingyouth.com. Until next week, this has been the drop.